In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, once again, the gospel reading is from John chapter 16, from the words of Jesus on the night when he was betrayed. And from his entire discourse that night to the disciples, we're focusing on Jesus' specific words about prayer. And that's why today is called rogate. It's Latin for to ask or to pray. So that's what we're going to consider for today, the topic of prayer. Now, Luther has a great quote on prayer. You can find it in his exposition to the, uh, uh, to the Gospel of St. John. In it, he says this. He says, You cannot find a Christian without prayer, just as you cannot find a living man without a pulse. So in other words, prayer is the, the pulse or the heartbeat of a Christian. Now, this doesn't mean that prayer makes you a Christian or that it keeps you or sustains your faith. Prayer is a good work. Now, and if we are to say that prayer makes or keeps you a a Christian, then we would be saying that you are saved by your own works and kept in the faith by your own doing. But that is not the case at all. In fact, you were made a Christian even before you could pray or speak. For the majority of you who were baptized as infants, that's when God made you his child. For others, remember, faith doesn't come by prayer, but by hearing the word of Christ. Not by your speaking, but by Christ speaking to you through the word. So your prayer doesn't begin or initiate your salvation. Prayer comes as a result of your salvation. It's the word of God, the word of God alone that gives you faith, forgiveness, life, and salvation. It gives you the faith to pray. Prayer is a result of these gifts from God. Now, having said that, prayer doesn't give you faith. But it does show the strength or weakness of your faith. And that's what it means that prayer is the heartbeat of a Christian. Just as you can tell how strong or weak someone's heart is by monitoring uh, the pulse, so too you can tell how strong or weak your own faith is by monitoring how often you pray. Prayer reveals the condition of your heart. A lack of faith causes a lack of prayer. So do you see that? If you have much faith, then you will pray much. And if you have little faith, then you will pray little. This is helpful to know because the problem with our sinful condition is that we think more highly of ourselves than we should, and that also applies to faith. So we oftentimes think we have more faith than we actually do, that our faith is as strong or stronger than we imagine it to be. But it's not the case. Our faith is actually smaller and weaker, more little than we know. All right, so here's a little test for you to find out the condition of your heart, the strength of your faith. Uh, So here's the first question. Have you prayed too much this week? Have you gone above and beyond what the Lord has asked when it comes to prayer, when it comes to the second commandment, keeping his name holy? Okay, no one. All right, Have the second question, have you prayed just enough this week? Have you prayed as often as you should? No more, no less, but you've prayed exactly the right amount. No one? All right. The last question, have you failed to pray as you should? 
do you know that you should have prayed more? Do you have guilt because you know you could have prayed to the Father more? All right. If you are honest, then you know you have not prayed too much and that you haven't prayed as often as you should. Rather, you have prayed too little. And this is common among all Christians. What does that say about our little faith? So is your faith in the Lord strong or weak? Is your faith so strong and your life of prayer so good that you can't afford to take a day or two away from the word? Are you in such a position where you can neglect the Lord's Supper and the preaching of the word for a couple of weeks or months or even years? Of course not. There is not one Christian in the world who has ever existed or who will ever exist that will not need to be exhorted to pray. So this prayer is useful for all Christians of all times, even on your best day. So, what is going on? How, wh- why is it? Why is it that we don't pray as often as we should? Why is our faith so little and weak? Well, at the root of it, the reason we don't pray as we should is because of unbelief. We don't believe and cling to the promises of God as we should. And so this unbelief causes us to be slow to pray. Now, I'll preach more about this later in the sermon, but I want to point out that this unbelief makes itself manifest in three different ways. So the first way our unbelief is made manifest is through laziness. It's sheer laziness and sloth. That This is sometimes the reason we don't pray as we should. We're, uh, we say we're too tired to pray, too tired to pray before meals, to, to pray before bed, to pray throughout the day. But you know that this is just an excuse. You have enough time. You have enough energy. You have enough time to watch an average of five hours of mind-numbing TV per day. You have enough time to spend an average of five and a half hours scrolling endlessly on your phone intermittently throughout the day. However, five minutes spent in devotion to God reading the word and praying seems to be asking too much of us. Sitting down as a family and doing devotions and praying before meals seems to be too much of a task. You see, the issue is not time. The issue is unbelief. Your heart doesn't rely upon God as it should. So here's something to wake you up from your stupor. Good works won't make you or keep you a Christian. However, your evil works can destroy your faith and cause you to become an unbeliever, a heathen. To apply it to this, you need to understand that your prayers cannot create or strengthen your faith in you in and of themselves, as I said before. However, your lack of prayer can weaken and even destroy your faith. Your laziness, sloth, and slowness to pray does not come without consequences. Little by little, the laziness builds up to total unbelief. If you don't lament your lack of prayer and repent of it, then you will. You will lose the faith. You will not be a Christian for much longer. So repent 
of your lack of prayer and pray that God does not hand you over to your laziness and sloth and total unbelief and thank God he has not done it yet. So pray. Life is short. These days are coming to an end. Stay awake. You don't know on what day your Lord is coming. Don't be slothful or lazy. Let those who have ears, let them hear. All right. That's all I have to say on that, on laziness. Now, the second way our unbelief is made manifest in our lack of prayer is through guilt. It's because of guilt. Sometimes we don't pray as often as we should because we have a guilty conscience before God. We believe we're not worthy to pray to a holy God. So we don't make our petitions and requests and prayers known to God because we don't think we're even allowed to bother him with what we need or want. Sometimes we feel like we're just wasting God's time. We ask for small, insignificant, trivial things over and over and over again. God doesn't care about what I want and desire, the the desires of my heart, right? That's so far beneath him. So some of us just save uh, our, our prayers for big things, important things, or things that we think matter to God. Meanwhile, we forget that he numbers the hairs on our head. How much more trivial is that? And yet he cares about that. Now, moving on. Uh, This sense of unworthiness is heightened when we know and feel our own sin and guilt. So when this happens, we don't just pray less often, but sometimes not at all. So when you've done something wrong, just think back to your life and even now, if, if that's the case. Uh, Look back in your life. When you've done something wrong and you know you've done something wrong, you're guilty of it. The temptation to not pray and not come to church is very, very strong. Christians in general are less likely to pray the day after they've committed some serious sin. And it's the same thing with church attendance. After committing some sin you feel guilty of, you stay away from the word, from prayer, from God, from his church. You don't even want to step into the church or even pray to God for fear of drawing his attention to you. Okay, so if this is you, if this is the reason why you're not praying, then it's because you are focusing too much on yourself. You're trying to approach the throne of God in prayer on account of yourself, on account of your own righteousness. You're trying to win the ear of God by the significance of your requests and the goodness of your life. Don't do that. Repent. Change your mind. When Jesus tells you to pray to the Father in his name, in Jesus' name, he is saying this so that you don't rely upon your name your works, your heart, your requests, or even your faith when praying to God. He is teaching you instead to rely completely upon him. If you go to God in prayer without Jesus, without his blood, without his forgiveness, salvation, his baptism, his word, and his promise, then he might as well just incinerate you on the spot. He is not pleased with your prayers because of your good works or words or intentions. This is not how prayer works. This is not how or why God hears prayer or ever will hear them. So let me put it this way. God's ears are closed to all prayers of man. That's what John 
chapter 9, verse 31 says, God does not listen to sinners, period. Now, all of this is true. If you pray to God without Christ, without his name on your lips, without faith in his righteousness, but in Christ, in the name of Jesus, for his sake, his bitter suffering and death on the cross, God listens to your prayers. This is because in Christ, you are sinless, perfect, blameless, without spot or blemish. And this is so hard to believe, but this is the truth. In Christ, the Father's ears are always open to you, listening to every word, every intention, every petition. God doesn't listen to your prayers because you're good enough. He listens to your prayers because of Jesus. And let that be your hope and confidence. This means that no matter how guilty you feel, how much you sin, how much sin you have clinging to your name, to your history, how much of your own wickedness you are drowning in, as long as you have Christ the Lord, God will listen to you. He will hear you. He will give you his undivided attention. He is interested in what you are interested in because he's interested in you. He delights himself to hear you pray. He loves your prayers no matter how trivial, mundane, or silly they might seem. Because of Christ, you don't have to win God's attention or favor. You have God's continual attention and favor. And since Jesus has given his body and his blood for all of your righteousness, listen to what Hebrews chapter 4.16 says. It says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In confidence. Now, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 12 says the same thing. In Christ and through faith in him, we may enter God's presence with boldness and confidence. So you you can pray confidently because you have Christ with you and you pray in his name. Okay, so the first reason we don't pray is because we're lazy in the faith and we're falling asleep in the faith. And the second reason is because we have a burdened conscience. Now, the third reason is because of this. We think prayer is futile, that it's worthless, that it doesn't do anything. So we have this fatalist view of prayer. And here's what I mean. According to our reason, to our mind, to our philosophy, we think that if God knows everything, which he does, and if he has ordained everything to happen in this world, then Prayer is pointless. Prayer doesn't tell God anything he doesn't know and it doesn't change anything anyway, right? So why pray? It won't change the outcome if someone is sick. What does it matter if we pray or don't pray? Either God has ordained for that person to recover or for that person to stay sick. So our reason concludes, when we think this through, our reason concludes that prayer really is pointless. Why would we pray to God? He's already got it. He he's already knows what he's going to do. Why does he even want us to speak to him? So the purpose of prayer, reason says, what the world says, is for a therapeutic reason, to help us get things off of our chest, to vent out our frustration, or to simply change you and not change the circumstance. And that is wrong. 
This reasoning is wrong. Your reason should not determine what you think about God, especially when the Bible teaches the opposite. You pray in the name of Jesus. That means you are a son of God. God is not some tyrant or bully lording over you. He is your father who cares for you deeply. And that means he actually and truly listens to what you pray. He listens to your words. He considers your advice, your requests. And many times he changes what he was going to do because of your prayers. He reacts to your prayers. He is interested in and he reacts to your counsel for matters going on in the world right now because you are his sons. God doesn't care what anybody or everybody thinks in the world, but he does care about what you have to say or pray for because you are his sons. So let me, let me explain it this way. Uh, I, mean, I mean, imagine it like this. Imagine that God is seated in the heavens at a great big table in some sort of war room. And at this table are the greatest of the angels, the cherubim, the seraphim, the most powerful of beings, the holiest creatures. The apostles are there. The martyrs are there sitting. They're all there sitting with him. And just imagine that God is there discussing the state of the world, how he conducts his affairs on earth, how he's battling the demons and hell, and how he's providing for the poor and the needy and so on. And there everyone is giving their opinions and discussing these things, talking about it in depth. And then God quiets everyone down and he calls you in his dear little child and he sits you on his lap and he says, you, you tell me what to do. What do you think I should do? And he leans in and he's drawing his ear close to you and he listens to what you have to say and he takes counsel from you. He listens to what you have to say. And he doesn't just do this for some matters, but every matter of life. For everything, God's ears are continually open, wanting your opinion, your counsel, your words, your advice on these things. Now, just imagine that is what prayer is like. Jesus says, ask anything, pray. And so you say, Lord, please heal me. Heal my child. Give us a home. Give us children. Forgive my sin. Have mercy on me. And God listens and he smiles and he takes your advice and your counsel. That is the heart of the Father. He listens to you because you are his son. What you think and feel and want and what you need matters to him. He cares about all of it. He wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear what you have to say and ask. And more often than not, he will do what you ask him to do. He may not do it right when you ask, but he does answer and grant your prayer. Now, God knows what is best to do. He knows what is best. He's not going to let you ruin it or make some fatal mistake by your prayer or anything. He won't always do what we ask either. But that's not because he doesn't care or because he doesn't listen. It's because he knows what is best and better for us. But God listens to our prayers. And many times he gives us something better than what we've prayed for. 
And the truth is he knows best when to send us joy or pain. And he knows how to strengthen our faith and perfect us through the pain and suffering that we experience. I want you to listen to James chapter 5 and I want you to tell me if it sounds like God does not listen to our prayers or if prayer is just some useless exercise inventing or getting something off our chest. So uh, the, the main question is, does God listen and respond to prayer? Well, listen to what James chapter 5 says. It says, Is someone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. So you tell me, Does that sound like God is simply doing what he's already decided to do, that he doesn't listen to your prayers or consider them? Not at all. In fact, this sounds like God truly listens to our prayers and responds and reacts to them. Now, God listening to our prayers and answering answering them does not in any way diminish the glory of God. On the contrary, it magnifies the glory of God. The fact that God retains his full power and majesty while having the capacity to take in the opinions of sinful mortals like us and listen to our prayers shows not that God is weak, but it shows that he is more powerful than we can imagine. You see, he's truly ruling over all things and yet he also takes our words into his heart and grants our prayers and does them while ruling over all things. This is is just astounding. We can't even wrap our minds around how this would even work. It's just too powerful and wonderful. But God listens to our prayers. That is what Jesus has revealed to us in John chapter 16. That's why he tells us to ask and the Father will do it. All right, I'm going to close by saying this. Remember what I said at the beginning, uh, the root of your lack of prayer, the root of your laziness to pray, the root of your fear of praying and your thinking that prayer is useless is unbelief. The reason we don't pray as much as we should is because we don't believe as much as we should. So that means the remedy is not to try harder. The answer is not to go out and do a bunch of good works to make up for your lack of prayer. No, the answer to your lack of prayer is the answer to all of our sin and wickedness. The blood of Christ. The forgiveness you have in Jesus, in his name, 
is what you need the most and it is what you now have. What Jesus did on the cross for you is open the ears of the Father to you forever. Your sins, your laziness, your lack of concentration in prayer, your apathy, your guilt, your fear are all forgiven in Christ. Christ has removed everything that would keep you from praying. He doesn't leave anything as an option to keep you from him. He wants you to pray for him. He wants to hear your voice, your petitions, your requests. They matter to him. So he's taken away any and all excuse. Pray. So pray without ceasing. Pray about all things, anything that comes into your mind, anything that you're worried about, anything that causes you anxiety, anything that you see. Pray about it. Ask the Father. He wants to hear what you have to say. It's amazing. Pray knowing that God will hear you and answer you. Pray that God will give you the faith to pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for your husband. Pray for your wife. Pray for your children. Pray for healing. Pray for patience for food, for your marriage, for your family. Pray that you live well, that you have everything you need in this body and life. Pray that you die unfearing, that you die with confidence in the Lord. Pray that God send his holy angels to attend you and to take you home in your final breath. And God will attend your prayer. And then you can say with the psalmist, certainly God has heard me, And he has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, who has not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Amen. Let us pray. O God, the giver of all that is good, by your holy inspiration, grant that we may think those things that are right, and by your merciful guiding, accomplish them. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.